morning. Good morning. You try and find Lamentations 3, please. That's where we're going this morning. This sermon has had several different titles. It started off God's Amazing Mercy, then God's Tender Mercy, God's Amazing Mercy, God's Awesome Mercy, God's Great Mercy. It's all that. <laughs> It's about God's mercy this morning. And to be really honest this morning, um, this, this sermon has been born out of a time of really intense emotional pain and pressure and a time whenever I was really struggling. My heart was hurting. And um, it's just a, a time of pain. So Christians can go through times of pain, believe you me, and that's okay, because we're human. We're human. And during this, in the midst of this time, I was driving along in the car, and I remember praying to God, Lord, just remind me of your love. I know you love me, but I can't feel it, Lord. Just remind me of your love. I just felt totally numb. And part of me thought, Linda, should you even be praying that? Because we know God loves us. Everyone knows, you know, you want to know if God loves you, just look at the cross. We know that. So should you really be praying that? But out of God's great mercy, he, he did answer me. And he has shown me his love. So I'm going to just read from the start of Lamentations 3. This is written by Jeremiah, who is my favourite prophet. <laughs> I love Jeremiah. Known as the weeping prophet. Jeremiah didn't have it easy. But he was God's man. He was God's spokesman, God's mouthpiece, if you like. And Jeremiah had it rough. <laughs> and he wanted to quit at times. But he didn't. And this is written in the darkest of days, the darkest of times in Israel's history. And the people of God were experiencing such awful things that I don't even want to mention some of them today because um, they're upsetting. And <laughs> I don't want to even talk about it in front of the kids. Um, but if you read through Lamentations, the whole thing, you'll get more of a picture of it. But it was the darkest of times. It was pitch black. It was the darkest of times. And Jeremiah laments and he pours out his heart. I'm the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He has driven me away and he has made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old. He's broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He has walled me in so I can't escape. Trapped. He has weighed me down with chains, heaviness. And even when I call out for, or cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. God, I don't even feel like you can hear me. Listen to the agony of Jeremiah. He has barred my way with blocks of stone. He has made my paths crooked. I don't even know where I'm going. 
Like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in hiding, he dragged me from the path and mangled me, left me without help, drew his bow and made me the target for his arrows. He pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. I became the laughing stock of all my people. They mock me in song all day long. He's filled me with bitter herbs and given me gall to drink. He's broken my teeth with gravel, trampled me in the dust. I've been deprived of peace. I've forgotten what prosperity is. So I say my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped from the Lord. Jeremiah is all out of hope. God's people are all out of hope. But this is where we have choice. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. I still have hope. So there's a choice at that point. Jeremiah can stick with and allow his mind to remember his affliction and his wandering. He can ruminate on his affliction and his wandering, his bitterness and his gall. He can keep ruminating on that. He can let his mind stay on that. Or he can remind himself. This I call to mind. So we have a choice. Our mind is extremely powerful. The mind is known as the, <laughs> the powerhouse. You know, out of the mind comes our emotions, our behaviour. The mind is extremely important. It's also been called the battlefield. <laughs> battlefield of the mind. The mind is extremely important. So Jeremiah says, this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. I remind myself. And listen to these beautiful words. Because of the Lord's great mercies, we are not consumed. And that literally means not dead. We're still here. Because of the Lord's great mercies, we're still here. For his compassions never fail. His mercies never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. We all have an internal dialogue. We all say stuff to ourselves every day, all through the day. There is an internal dialogue. But Jeremiah chose to say to himself, the Lord is my portion. And therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is my portion. Therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. Actually, the original, it says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And that word salvation, it means the victory of the Lord, the rescue of the Lord. It's good to wait quietly for the victory of the Lord. Back up there, in verse 25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. That word wait there, kava in the Hebrew, Q-A-V-A-H. 
what does it what does it look like to wait for the Lord you know you sit around and look at your watch and you just wait it's not it's not passive this is not a passive thing and that word kava actually it means to entwine around to entwine like a rope and this is why Ashley has kindly brought his rope this morning because I just wanted to show you something because on its own this little string this little string could easily break but if it entwines around so if it's like that it's stronger but if it actually entwines around I need you to help me Samuel So it's, if it's actually entwined around. See how it's not passive? Waiting is not passive. Now there ain't nothing gonna break that now. On its own it can break. On its own it can break. This is how important it is to wait in the right way on God. Throw yourself upon him and twine yourself around him and nothing will break you. Nothing will break you and the darkness will not break you and you will always have hope. But you see, there's a choice. You can choose at a point to say it's all gone. All that I had hoped from the Lord is gone. God doesn't even hear me. And, or you can choose to remind yourself God is good all the time and in the darkness he is good and you know what happens out of the ashes hope will arise because death is defeated and our king is alive <laughs> he's alive and he's with us and he's for us and even if we don't feel it he loves us and he's still working and even if we don't see it he's working and he never stops working Come on, let's remind ourselves. What is your internal dialogue? Call to mind. How do you remind yourself of stuff? Do you set a reminder on your phone? If that's how you remember stuff, then do that. Do you write it down? I do that. I write stuff in my journals. Do you use post-its? Um, do you tell people, remind me of this? If you need to do that, do it. But call to mind and remind yourself. He is good. His mercy never fails. And because of his great mercy, we are not consumed. Because his compassions never fail. New every morning, great is his faithfulness. There is mercy, fresh mercy available to us every morning. Every morning, every day. You know, my kids, when we get home from, um, from school, there's kind of a bit of a race to the post box to see if the postman has left us anything. And the kids are like um, disappointed if, oh, there's nothing there. Me and David are kind of okay if nothing's there. Um, but the kids are disappointed. But this is the thing. There is a new package of mercy and grace for us with our name on it every day for every situation that we will, that we will face. You see, in our weakness and in our pain 
and when we're feeling low and we're feeling horrible and rotten and feeling like we're in darkness and that God's not there and when we're feeling that agony, our loving Father is not harsh and cruel and mean. In fact, he delights to show us mercy. He delights to show us mercy. I love that. You find that in Micah. Um, it says he delights. The Lord delights to show us mercy. Who is a God like you who pardons sin, forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You don't stay angry forever, but you delight to show mercy. And you will again and again and again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot, hurl all our iniquities, all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will be faithful to Jacob, to us. You will show love to Abraham, that's us. He will be faithful and he will show us love. And again and again and again, every day, throughout the day, he has mercies available for us. And you know, during that time of my intense emotional pain, because let's face it, 2019 was tough, but God was good and God was faithful. But 2019 was very hard and very hard emotionally. And thank you for those of you who really cared for us and loved us. And just, we're so thankful for each one of you. Um, but it was tough and it still is tough. And there's still days whenever I struggle emotionally. But God delights to show me mercy. He delights to show us mercy. And do you know, I'm being really honest here. There was times when I was feeling that emotional pain that I was probably quite hard to be around. Now, not that I turned into a monster or anything and started shouting or anything like that, but I was quiet, withdrawn, um, a bit miserable. And probably not that nice to be around or fun. And I remember Rach saying to me, Mama, you don't laugh as enough anymore. You don't, I want to see you laugh. And she would say to me. And, um, you know, it was just a dark, heavy time. But God was there. And his mercy is new every morning. And during that time, I had prayed that prayer. God, show me, remind me of your love. And... You know, there were times I thought to myself, I'm sure David is fed up with me. I'm sure he, um, you know, I'm sure he's just sick of the way I am. And I have to say that David did nothing but show me kindness and love through that time. And I felt God saying to me, take note of how your husband is with you. And again and again and again, no matter how miserable, how horrible I was to be around, he showed me love and kindness and care and patience. And God woke me in the middle of the night one night. I've been observing and curious about the way he was. It was almost like his love was pursuing me and I didn't deserve it. And in the middle of the night, one night I woke up and I felt God saying, that's the way the way Christ loves the church, it's the way I love you. My love pursues you. My love comes after you. He's not harsh and cruel and frustrated with us. He delights to show us mercy and his love follows after us. In fact, Psalm 23, 
just love it. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd. The shepherd goes out in front of the sheep. So we are following the shepherd. And if the Lord's our shepherd, look at verse 6. It says, surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, the dark days and the good days. His goodness and his mercy will follow you. So you have the shepherd out in front, you have the sheep and the goodness and mercy are like the sheep dogs. <laughs> you can't get away from them, they're coming. And if you look up the, what that word follow, it says it's, it actively pursues, actively pursues you, chases you. His love comes after you. His mercy comes after you. Those two sheepdogs, goodness and mercy. What is mercy though? It's all very well saying about this great mercy, this awesome mercy, this wonderful mercy. What is it? Well, we know that, I'm thinking of Bartimaeus, whenever Jesus was walking and passing through Bartimaeus shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And um, as Jesus walked, he shouted, and he was told to be quiet, he shouted all the louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And you also know the time the Pharisee and the tax collector were both praying. <laughs> And the tax collector said, have mercy upon me. And he beat his breast. And Jesus noticed that. He said, this person, this person is justified because he knew he needed mercy. There's something about mercy. Mercy is it's, it's part of God's godness. It's part of his glory. It's an attribute of God. He radiates mercy. If we want to know him, we can't know him without knowing about his mercy and knowing, knowing his mercy and knowing about it. Lord, reveal more about what this means, this mercy of God. You can't know God without knowing his mercy. So mercy is found throughout the Bible, this word, I think 276 times in the, in the King James Version. And in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the God of the Old Testament is the same merciful God as the God in the New Testament. And in the Old Testament, it's this Hebrew word, chesed, which is interchangeably translated the steadfast love, the steadfast love of the, God, of the Lord, the mercy of God. And if you even think of the ark of God, what was right on top of it between the cherubim, the mercy seat, mercy is just part of who our God is. And then across to the, Old, the New Testament, it's the Greek word eleos, which can be, and is often translated, the compassion, the compassions of the Lord, the mercy of the Lord. Vine's Dictionary says it's the outward manifestation of compassion. The ultimate expression of God's mercy is the cross just remembered it, the ultimate expression of his mercy. God demonstrated his love, it says in Romans 5, he showed us, he showed us his love, he showed us his heart of compassion. 
he demonstrated his love in that while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. So the cross is just the ultimate expression of God's mercy. So many of us will know that mercy is where we, it's forgiveness. It's not getting the punishment that we deserve. It's not getting the punishment that we deserve. But you know what? It's so much more than that. It's so much more. I've got a few definitions that I found as I was researching, which might help us to understand more about this mercy. One guy said it's a love that responds to human need in an unexpected and an unmerited way. So it's undeserved and it surprises us. It's a love that surprises. That was written actually by a recovered alcoholic. A love that responds to human need in an unexpected and unmerited way. It's good. David Legg says it's his infinite, inexhaustible energy to be compassionate. His infinite, inexhaustible energy to be compassionate. I love that too. Mercy is what we see because love is who he is. And my definition of mercy is what God's love looks like. Yeah, so it comes from his heart of love, but love looks like something. And mercy is what God's love looks like. It's a love that keeps on loving through the darkness. It keeps on loving no matter what. It keeps on forgiving. It doesn't give up. Think of the prodigal. <laughs> Still remember the morning, the prodigal father, the, the morning that Nigel spoke about how the prodigal father, the father took the shame. <laughs> and that father showed mercy. He was there, waiting with open arms, running towards his son. God delights to show us mercy. And it's not just a, okay, we'll let you away with it this time. No, it's a, it's a delight. It's an open-armed again and again and again, like a, an expression of his great love for us. So think of that father, the father of the prodigal, to give us a picture of his mercy. You know, God's mercy, it's his mercy that helps us to get up and up again when you fall. It's his mercy. It's only his mercy. In Micah, It says, do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. <laughs> Though I sit in darkness, I, the Lord will be my light. Because I've sinned against him, I will bear the Lord's wrath until he pleads my case and upholds my cause. But he will bring me out into the light and I will see his righteousness and my enemy will see it. I love that. Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Allow yourself to receive his mercy so you can get up again and again and again. We need his mercy for our weaknesses, for our failures, for our struggles, for our times of darkness. We need his mercy to bring us into freedom. Hebrews 4, 16. The throne where we receive this mercy. Hebrews 4, 16. You all know it, but I'm going to read it. 
It says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The throne is the answer. That's where we can receive, pick up our packages. There's packages there with our names on. That's where we can go. That's where we entwine ourselves around that strong rope. That's where we wait on him. Get on your knees and throw yourself before his throne. Throw yourself upon the mercy of God with your hands open. Your hands open and receive and I picture it as like you know drinking as well drinking of pure water it's this water that refreshes you that cleanses you that purifies you removes the toxins (laughs) receive that water and drink and drink and drink and drink and keep drinking throughout the day you know there's days when I just came in here and I couldn't say a word but I could just sit and I sat with God. And days where you can't find the words, but you can cry and he, he knows those tears. And just days when I just sat and just opened my hands and received his mercy and received his love. And there might be days where you need to get down and just get down on your knees And just open your hands symbolically. I receive that mercy. I receive all that you've got for me, Lord. And even just getting, go into the lose at work and just get down on your knees and just open your hands and receive that mercy. I need you. I need you. I need you. I need your mercy. I need everything you've got for me, God. I can't do it on my own. God's mercy is the antidote to shame. Shame is toxic. It creates a wedge in our minds between us and our God. But but God's mercy is the antidote to shame. That's why the devil hates hates it. (laughs) God's mercy looks beyond your weakness and he sees your true identity. He sees your potential. He sees the gifts he has put within you. God's mercy looks beyond your weakness. I woke up with a song in the midst of all this, a really old song. God, your mercy is so great that you look beyond our weakness to find purest gold in miry clay, making sinners into saints. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, God's mercy is so great that he looks beyond our weakness. It's all we can see, but he sees the gold in you. God's mercy can walk you out of anything, can walk you out of the deepest pit, can walk you out of an eating disorder, an addiction, God's mercy can help you and help you with emotional wounds, with anger, with hurt, with fear. Don't let anything fester. Run to the throne, open your your hands and receive his mercy, his grace. Drink of that water and entwine yourself around him. Release the stuff that's already in your hands can't receive if you've stuff in your hands the false comforts the distractions release that and open your hands to his mercy before that throne of grace God's mercy is so precious you know I love the story of the woman who um, you know the woman who was washing 
Jesus' feet uh, with her tears and, and wiping it with her, her hair. And it was said of her, Jesus said she loves much <laughs> because she's forgiven much. And I love, I love that woman. And that's how I feel. I, I, like I feel, devil loves to remind you of all the stuff in the past, but God chooses to forget in his mercy. And, but when you think of how great the mercy he has shown, how much he has forgiven you from, <laughs> oh, his mercy is so precious, it's so precious. How can we, the more we know of his mercy, gosh, the more we love, <laughs> the more we love. So don't take his mercy for granted. In view of God's mercy, Romans 12 says, offer yourself to God a living sacrifice. <laughs> it's the only true response when we see how great his mercy is, is to turn from sin and to throw yourself upon him. Here I am, God, I hold nothing back. I trust you no matter what. I just offer myself to you afresh. So, I read something that David Legg had said about God's mercy and um, how the danger of, of taking that mercy for granted. You know, you hear of some people saying, well, do you know what? Someday I will get saved and I'm gonna get right with God. And, but I know, that, I know that he will forgive me then. So they just keep on and keep on and don't get right with God. Um, or I'll just keep on sinning. God won't mind. He'll just keep forgiving me. So, so it's okay <laughs> because his mercy never fails. So he's always going to keep forgiving. There's a danger in that, guys. I love the way David Legg puts it. It says, imagine a man or a woman and they don't wash themselves. They don't clean their teeth. Imagine that. <laughs> and their teeth are rotten. Yes, that will happen if you don't clean your teeth. Um, and eat sweets. Okay, I've added that. <laughs> I added that bit in. But imagine a man or a woman, boy or a girl, and they don't wash themselves, they don't clean their teeth, and their teeth are rotten, and they eat sweets. And they don't wash themselves, and there's germs crawling over them, all over their hair, under their nails, and they're getting diseased because of it. Do you think God would withhold disease from a man or a woman who lived in that condition? And this is David Legg, he says, not on your life. Do you think God will lavish mercy on a soul that has heaped sin on its own head? I don't know what kind of a God that is, but it's not our God. And he continues, do you know something? You can make God's mercy your enemy, like sucking poison out of a beautiful flower. You can have a deadly, deadly blow dealt to your soul. That's sobering. Let's not take God's mercy for, for granted, but let's, the only, the only right response is to offer ourselves and to turn from sin and to drink of that mercy. God's great, amazing, tender mercy. <laughs> Revelation 4, um, I spoke on this a couple of years ago and I spoke about the lenses viewing life with Revelation 4 glasses Revelation 4 lenses everything's different if you have these lenses on these glasses on 
And it's all because there's a throne. There's a throne. Now, I've already mentioned the throne, that we are to come boldly before the throne of grace, to find mercy, to open our hands and receive the mercy, to pick up our package. Um, so let's look at this throne. And let's see if we can put the Revelation 4 glasses on and see our own lives, our own circumstances through the lenses of Revelation 4. Revelation 4, <laughs> the throne in heaven. I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven and a voice I had heard, I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven or behold, a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. <laughs> Love that. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Ruby and a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne guys the throne is just radiant with God's mercy it's encircled with a rainbow and it's not even an ordinary rainbow it's a rainbow of emerald can you imagine just the beauty of it and God's throne is radiant with his mercy you can't come near his throne and and not fail and not receive and not Notice that mercy. The throne radiates his mercy. The rainbow is the very emblem of God's mercy. You know how much I love rainbows. You know how much I love rainbows. God's mercy radiates and encircles the throne. What on earth must that look like? It encircles it so it's not even just like a, a bow. It's the whole way around. And as a child of God, we have a choice. We can call to mind. Or we can dwell on the darkness and we can lose hope. Or we can call to mind and receive his mercy. His mercy never fails. He's rich in mercy. Why don't you visualize your day tomorrow? Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday with these Revelation 4 glasses there's a throne <laughs> and there's one sitting on it there's a king he's alive and there's one sitting on that throne and he's radiating mercy and he's waiting for us to come and receive and drink <laughs> and to be cleansed again and again and again and refreshed and to be loved <laughs> and cared for and secure and he's waiting for us, just like that prodigal father was waiting with his arms and watching. Will he come today? <laughs> Will he come? Maybe he'll come today. Maybe he'll come. And he waited and he watched. And he was there waiting and watching for the son coming home. There is mercy and grace for every situation you will face tomorrow. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. No matter how difficult it is. No matter how tricky it is. Stefan, I'm going to just close in prayer and invite us all to open our hands to come to the throne.
because that one sitting on the throne is in the midst. He's here. He's here. <coughs> the, ampli- the amplified version of Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us with privilege approach the throne of grace. With privilege. We are privileged people this morning. We have an inheritance, and part of that inheritance is access to this throne. Any time we want, day or night, we can just receive his mercy and his grace to help us in time of need. I read a sad story about a lady who um, had died alone. And this lady had um, been in debt. She'd been in debt and she'd been getting bills coming through her door. And do you know what she did? She stopped opening her bills and they piled up. And when they found her, um, she died alone, sadly. And all there was so much unopened mail from like months of unopened mail because she had developed a fear of opening the mail because she was in debt. And, you know, after she died, they, they opened the mail and a letter was found. And it was actually, she had received an inheritance. <laughs> and it was a lot of money. And it would, have, it would have sorted out all those debts. But she didn't claim her inheritance. She didn't, she didn't know. <laughs> and we have an inheritance. We have access. We have privilege divine privilege to approach the throne of grace night or day anytime anytime when we're driving in our car when in the middle of our work we can receive we can receive and it never stops it never fails it never gives up on us let's pray We just thank you, Lord, that there is a throne and there's one sitting on it. And I thank you, my God, for your great mercy, your mercy that never fails. You every morning, great is your faithfulness. And I thank you, Lord, that we can drink of that mercy day or night. (laughs) Right now, right now, we can drink. Right now, just, if, if you wouldn't, if you're comfortable just to, Put out your hands, nothing magical, but just symbolically saying, Lord, (laughs) I need your mercy. I need you. I need everything you've got for me. And this is how you wait. This is how you wait on the Lord. It's not anything passive. It's very active. You go to him and you cry out to him and you receive and you drink and gulp, (laughs) great big gulps of his mercy because it never runs out it never fails it never runs out there's more and there's more and there's more and there's mercy for every single situation every single difficulty every single failure and regret of your whole life there is mercy for that there's mercy for that just drink lord we drink of your mercy we receive your love your grace Thank you that your mercy is what your love looks like, Lord. Oh God, make I pray that for every single one here, Lord, and those that couldn't be with us, Lord. But Father, that we would be a people collectively who, who know what it is to, to come before that throne and to drink of that mercy and to receive, and to receive. 
May hope arise, may faith arise. Just thank you, Father. So continue just to drink and to, to feel the radiance of his mercy before that throne as we worship him. <laughs> 